Good morning and welcome to White's Ferry Road. We're so glad you're here with us today. If you're visiting from out of town, we're especially glad you're here. And uh, this is the second service. We had a good crew this morning in the first service, so we're so glad that, uh, that everybody's out here on the Lord's Day. We're going to start this morning with a baby blessing. So we would ask that Towns Taylor uh, bring your family down and uh, the rest of our elders will join us too. That'd be great. Well, as we uh, gather this morning <clears throat> and we uh, call upon God's blessings upon my grandson, Towns, uh, just want to be talking to uh, Grant and Caitlin as, as they're about to raise their, their son, Towns. And I love Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 8, where it says, it's kind of the prayer of faith for the Israelites. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your strength. Place that upon your heart impress it upon your children and talk about it when you sit at home and you walk around walk along the road at night when you go to sleep and when you get up be talking about it it says to bind that around your wrist put it on your forehead place it upon your door frames and your gate in other words make your faith visible to everyone and everywhere you go that they'll see by the way you act and and behave <clears throat> I'm just so proud of, of both of you for the way that you're parenting Judson. And, uh, and of course, this scripture kind of points out the fact that this is a daily thing. This is everything you do because parenting and marriage is, is not a sprint. It is a long journey. And, and unfortunately, life has got a lot of challenges and problems and disappointments and even sometimes disasters. And even though the words in this Bible may give you the, they will give you the, the directions and, and hope for your life, it's in y'all's actions that it will be exemplified, that they'll really learn and they'll see the hope and the faith and the love exhibited in the mercy and the grace and the forgiveness that y'all give each other, that you'll give the people that your family here, the way that you love each other, the way you love the Lord. So we're going to pray about that and I'm going to ask Grant's father mark taylor uh, he's an elder in in huntsville to to say that prayer for us let's bow almighty god in heaven the creator of all things our creator we um we approach you this morning lord and we our hearts are full and uh, we are grateful. We are grateful for the blessings of this day, and especially this day, as we ask your blessings on Towns Wesley Taylor. 
Lord, there have been billions, untold billions before us and maybe even after us. It is an amazing thing to us that you have created this little boy, this child, to be unique. Never one before like him and never one again like him. That alone, Lord, is beyond our comprehension. So great and powerful are you. And Lord, we come to your throne with confidence because you told us that we can do so. And um, we pray, God, that you will bless this little child. As Randy has said, Lord, we pray that you will bless Grant and Caitlin. Give them wisdom as they raise this child. We pray, God, that he will be raised in a way that will honor and glorify you. And Lord, we know that he will. We know you will answer our prayer and we eagerly anticipate what you have in store for this little boy. Lord, pray this for all of us, that you, will, that you will speak to our hearts, that you will call us to the purpose that you have for each and every one of us. We ask this all in your son's name. Amen. Blessings be upon you, precious baby. May favor rest upon your family. May your future be a holy legacy. May blessings be upon you, precious baby. We're going to continue this morning with some more worship. If you would stand with us, we'll sing some more praise this morning. Let us be faithful, faithful, faithful Lord. Let us be faithful, faithful Lord. 
informed us. The incredible thing is, he knows your name. He knows you. Before the time began, he knew your name. He has a plan for you. We're going to sing about it. I have a maker before my heart, before even time began, my life was in his hands. He
We have a great high priest standing before the throne, taking all our cares to God. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong, a perfect plea. Right? The, my mediator is a perfect person, perfect God and perfect man. He was here. He knows the struggles we go through here. He's a perfect mediator for us. Right? We're going to sing about it. Before the throne
Morning, family. This is a time of the service where we come together as a family and remember our Savior. And I started thinking about it. And, you know, with everything that's going on in today in life, do we stop to remember what we're taking part of? Do me a favor right now. Just close your eyes and remember your Savior. Remember what he's, what he's taught us, how to live, how to forgive, how to love. And he showed us how to love by what he'd done on the cross for each and every one of us. The beating he took was for me and you. Remember that Savior. Remember the price that was paid. That's what this time is for. Most Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. And Father, we do just want to slow down and thank you for the price that was paid. Father, like the song says, Father, we want to see you. Father, we want to be with you. As we take part of this bread, Father, help us to take it in a worthy manner and pleasing to you. Thank you for your son, in whose name we pray. Now comes the time where we take part of the blood that washes all of us clean, that heals the wounds, that covers our sin. Remember and be thankful. 
Heavenly Father, we do come to you again this morning. Just, uh, Father, thank you for the blood. Thank you for making it possible for us to be with you again. Father, we love you, and we thank you for Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Now we have a chance to give back for what was done for us. I know I've never repaid what he's done for me in my life. The wounds that he's healed, the scars that I have from my past. I owe him my life. How do you pay somebody back for that? He says give with a cheerful heart and we can do what we can do. Heavenly Father, thank you for chances 
Father, I pray that uh, as we give, we give with a cheerful heart. And Father, I pray that uh, we continue to bring honor and glory to you in all we do. Father, we love you and we thank you for your son. Amen. somebody that's visiting but make them feel welcome and we'll get started
Good morning. Glad to see you here this morning. First of all, for our church family, I want to thank you so very, very much at our Mission Sunday. I think we're up to over $290,000 that was raised for missions to go out from here. Excellent. That's great. Trent heard that and decided he wanted to become a missionary, Amen. didn't you, Trent? I'm ready. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, some, uh, I appreciate so much... Uh, your unselfishness and us getting the gospel out there around the world and so that's what this is all about yeah I think it was Bill that said one time the light that shines farthest shines brightest at home and so as we talk about missions we're kind of kicking off this new series life on mission well really are we think we tend to think of mission work as being something done some foreign country somewhere but mission work really starts right here at home we are all missionaries and we all are on the mission field, and sometimes we, we tend to think that that's somebody we're sending out, but it's really not. You know, that, that field that we're all on is uh, really the neighborhoods we live in, the places we work, uh, the, the activities we're involved in with our, our kids. Look in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and look at this verse. When he's sending them out, he says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my, what? Witnesses. What? Witnesses, some of you can't read or talk. You will be my... There we go. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. So the ends of the earth, that kind of sounds exciting as we go out from here. But look, it's right here in our own neighborhoods. us being real people on the real mission field. That's what this new series, Life on Mission, is about. And the field... It's where we work and where we live. This is so exciting because this series is all about what you need to be all about. It's about your purpose in life. And you were absolutely created for a purpose. And that's great news because that means that your life has meaning. No matter your background, no matter what you struggle with, 
no matter where you've been or what you're coming from, you have meaning. You have purpose. And your purpose is literally to live life on mission. I've been waiting to do this for a couple of hours. Okay, I have no idea what that is. Oh, okay, that's the mission impossible. Come on now, you're not that old. Actually, actually, he wanted to come down on a rope and hang over the pulpit. That's really what I wanted hover. to do. I, said, I couldn't no, no. get approval from my master pastor, so I had to just go well, with the lip syncing. Well, I've seen his athletic ability on the softball field, and I thought, we'll break oh, something man. there if we're not careful. So. When, I, when I hear the phrase, life on mission, I, I am thinking mission impossible. Tim Harlow, he wrote the book where we're kind of uh, generating most of the ideas for this study. Our small groups are going to be covering his materials. And the whole, the whole idea is to encourage you to live your mission. And no, it's not espionage-like uh, Ethan Hunt in the Mission Impossible series. It's right here, right in your own backyard. And, and this is the purpose, again, for which you've been created. John Eldridge, one of my favorite Christian authors in the book Wild at Heart, says you have three functions necessary for optimal existence. Three things you've got to do to live in the way you've been designed to live. Have an adventure to live, a battle to fight, and a reason to fight the battle. This is a series about that. How many of you have ever been on a mission trip out, outside uh, of here? That's a pretty good number. That's great. And you know, those are, those are super good because uh, not only are you helping people when you go, but also you always come back with kind of a new zeal and a new excitement about what it really is involved to be on the field. And so somehow or another... Translating that same spirit of adventure into where we live every day. God called us to be missionaries, every one of us. We are witnesses. And our Jerusalem is everywhere around us. Uh, 195 million people in America do not go to church. In 1950, 15% of Americans didn't claim any religious, only a small part didn't claim any religious uh, heritage. Then all of a sudden, 2010, 60% don't claim any kind of religious uh, worldview. So what's happening is, as in our country, you can see it's becoming more and more of a mission field every day. And look, it's going to be that way. Christianity always runs counter and in conflict with culture around it. It's the way it was in the days of Jesus. It's the way it is today. You and I are called to be different in the world we live. And we're to be witnesses. And witnesses have something to do. They tell what they saw. That's what witnesses do. You get called to the stand in court, you tell what you saw. And uh, I, I haven't had, I've never been called to court. I've never been a witness like that. I don't know, Trent, have you ever been a witness? Have you been in court? Well, I've been in court. I've been on both sides. I mean, it's a witness. All right, all right. <laughs> I don't want to get personal. Okay, all right. This is not the time for being personal. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, I did. I got called to be an expert witness in a case. Um, and I sat in a courtroom, and it was really intense. There was a judge, and there were the people there who were debating what uh, custody was going to be for the children involved. And they called me in as an expert witness. And I had to give my testimony based on what I thought was the best possible arrangement of custody 
for the children involved. So what did I do? I spoke what I knew to be the truth in terms of what was best for the children. But I think in our culture, our witnessing has to go deeper than just the words we speak. One idea that I've studied a lot recently is the indifference in American culture as it relates to religion right here in our great nation. You tell somebody at work or somebody in your neighborhood, hey, I'm a Christian, or hey, my church is going to two services, why don't you come and worship with us, or hey, can I tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ, or would you attend my Bible study? Likely you'll not be met with stones and accusations of people who are trying to end your life. Most likely you'll be met with an attitude of indifference. Oh, you're a Christian. I know plenty of you. Why? Because the words that we are saying often don't match the behavior in the way we are living. And so if you're going to live as a witness in this community, and I urge you to get excited about this, let us recruit you into living a life on mission. That absolutely involves a measure of life change. You've got to speak the words of Jesus, and you've got to do your best to live like him. Because look here, people know when, when you're just faking it, don't they? People can walk in all kinds. There are a lot of people in churches today that are what one writer calls unconverted believers. You know, they're facing a belief in something, but their life doesn't match up to it. And God's people can't be that way. Look, we're, we're all came out of the same place. We're all sinners. We're all messed up. With, and we all have our own struggles. And, and yet, by God's grace and the story of the gospel, we get a brand new start. That's a great blessing. And that, so what witnessing is, is telling people what God's done for us. We're no better than anybody else. And, and uh, I mean, just look around this crew right here, right? What else other than the gospel pull all of us together into one family? And yet call us to the mission field, and that's the field all around us. But you know what? There's a great thing that happens when people are found. The finding is exciting. In Matthew chapter 9, he says this, Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So what we're saying there is, look, if we're going to find people, we've got to find people with the right kind of, we have to have the right kind of heart that Jesus had to reach out and find folks. They're not our enemy. They're not our enemy. They're lost. Look, sin doesn't, is not just wrong. Sin makes you dead. The gospel doesn't make you better the gospel makes you alive. And so we go from lost to found, right? And so that's what God did for us. So we want to move people from being lost to being found. And man, there's a lot of great joy in that. My wife and I moved down to the Twin Cities area about four years ago. And shortly after we moved here, we visited uh, the mall. And my wife was trying on some stuff, and I was watching our two-year-old. And at the time, when we moved here, our daughter was 14 days old. At the time we were in the mall, she was probably a month or two. And so I've got my daughter on my hip, and I'm uh, playing with my son in the women's section of, of J.C. Penney's or Dillard's. And Kirsten's in the fitting room. And so I'm playing hide-and-seek in the mall with my son, trying to find a way to pass the time. One of the things that's most difficult for me to tolerate is any length of time in the mall. Amen. So I'm, 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 some of you guys feel my pain. I'm, I'm playing hide-and-go-seek with my son, and he's hiding behind some clothes. And I'm like, where's Adrian? Where's Adrian? 
and he pops out, and I pretend I'm scared, and this went on for a couple of minutes, and so Kirsten walks out, and I talk to her about what she's tried on, and I turn around, and I cannot find my son. And so for one second, I was just like kind of, you know, feeling humorous about that. Like he's two, and yet he knows that when my back is turned, that's probably the biggest advantage he has to hiding somewhere where I really can't find him. And that his little mind could conceptualize all that in the seconds it took for him to find a hiding spot was neat to me. And so I thought, you know what, this isn't going to be hard. I'm an adult, he's a child, I'm going to have no trouble locating him. And so I hit the deck, I got my daughter on my hip, I'm on the floor, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm looking for a pair of two-year-old Spider-Man tennis shoes in the women's section of JCPenney's. How hard can it really be? So I'm on the ground, I'm looking 360 degrees around my location, and I cannot find it. And Kirsten's looking at me, and she's like, babe, what, what's going on? And then all of a sudden, I look up at her, and I knew that she could tell based on the look in my eyes that something was seriously wrong and she did what a mom does best scan the area looking for her babies didn't find them and she went into mama bear mode and I did too and so we were both on high alert and in that moment there is nothing that you could have said and there's nothing that you could have done to have distracted me from finding my son so we start looking around, every second that passes by our anxiety escalates, and we cannot find him anywhere. A couple of ladies come over to help us. I walk by a clothing rack, and all at once he jumps out right in front of me, surprise! <laughs> and there was that second of just like, oh, you got me, and then it was like a flood of just anger and rage. <laughs> but you know... Some of us need to adopt that same attitude, that same level of intensity, that same sense of urgency for the lost people in our neighborhood, at our job, in our community, in our schools. So set on point, so geared toward living a life on mission that it's almost all we can focus on day in and day out to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ and move them from lost to found. You know, you see these posters in uh, uh, the stores or in Walmart or other things, you know, some missing child. And, you know, those, those always just, you know, they break my heart to think that someone would take a child type thing. And so, but uh, at the same time, you know, I'm not going up there making copies of it. I'm not handing them out. I, but, but I thought, you know what, if it was my child, I'd be passing those out. I would be urgent about it. I would say, please look for this child. Please. And so look, when, when that loss is close to home and close to your heart, all of a sudden you feel the intensity of that thing. Think about how God feels about those in the world who are outside Christ. Because his intensity is way more than that. Because he loves them and he wants them to have a future with him. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, he says this. He says, the Lord's not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand. So he's patient with you, and he's, wanting any, he's not wanting anyone, anyone to perish. There's one about to perish right now. Uh, God, God doesn't want anyone to perish, right? But he wants everyone to come to repentance that's God's desire. That's God's heart for people. And that's the kind of heart we have to have for people. 
And so all, we have to have that same kind of desire that we do not want to see them lost, which means we do not want to see them in hell. So my people don't talk much about hell anymore. You know why? And you, some of you are saying, you didn't just go there, you did didn't you? Just right go there, to hell. Right, yeah. Hell is a reality of people who are outside Christ. And so somehow or another that should create some urgency in us that we have the same intensity and love for people who are lost because we know their future. And we know that would be our future if it wasn't for God's grace. So we want to see people found. We want to celebrate and have joy in heaven as well as on earth because someone finds Jesus Christ. C.S. Lewis has this to say when it comes to eternity. We all get what we want whatever it is that we choose. There are only two kinds of people in the end, he says, those who say to God, Lord, thy will be done, and those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. All that are in hell, choose it. So it's about 11 o'clock, 11.30, it's Sunday morning, and you guys, I'm sure, are tired because the uh, LSU Tigers were beaten by the Bulldogs last night. And I'm not talking about the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs. All right, so we're coming off two losses. It's early. We're preaching hard at you. But I know that it's hard to get excited. Even if I'm visiting at a church or listening to a sermon, sometimes it's difficult for me. But please, I urge you, get excited about this. Bill Heibel is a church, church growth expert from Willow Creek Church in Chicago, one of the biggest churches in the country, says a really effective evangelist, somebody like Billy Graham, could preach to congregations of 100,000 every day, and it would take somewhere around 300 years for that one evangelist to reach the entire world. If one of you would buy into living a life on mission right here, right now, today, and you would disciple two people who would then in turn disciple two, who would then in turn disciple two, which is exponential growth, it would take you about 10 years years if everybody fulfilled their mission to totally change the situation of our entire world and so in acts chapter one when 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 jesus tells the disciples you'll receive power that's a power that you have access to still today the same spirit that resurrected the lord jesus christ is within your reach and if you'll choose to live a life on mission and get passionate about moving people from lost to found, then you'll really realize the kind of life and lifestyle that you've been created for. Remember in Luke chapter 16, the story of the rich man and Lazarus? And the rich man goes to hell and he looks up and Lazarus is in Abraham's bosom and he's seeing how terrible it is and so he's begging He's begging, please, Abraham, please send him back so he can tell who? Tell my brothers who are still alive. Abraham couldn't send Lazarus back to those folks who were still alive. But God sent you to the ones that are still alive today. The story is really not about the rich man as it is about the guys that are left there alive who need the gospel. That's what it's about. It's about those who still have opportunity if we'll share the good news with them about how to get in on this thing of, of eternal life. Remember that story of Jesus, that death, burial, and resurrection story of what God has done for us that he preached in the book of Acts to start the church. 
that Jesus came from heaven, died for my sins, was resurrected, his body came out of the ground to give me hope one day my body's coming out of the ground. Jesus went back to heaven to help people every day. One day he's coming back again. And until he does, we're going to keep preaching this gospel, this good news that we celebrate with the Lord's Supper, that we talk about all the time. That's our goal. That is our life on mission. And if you've not gotten in on that, it's real simple. You believe and put your faith in Jesus Christ. You decide, I don't want to live like that anymore. It's called repentance. You turn around. You be baptized into Christ, reenacting the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You become like him, and then it starts all over right there. Brand new life. Everything is behind you. What a great day. What a great day. That's a life on mission, and that's just the beginning. Because then you get to turn around and be witnesses to tell other people, this is what God's done for me. So over the next five weeks of this series, we're going to try to help our own folks kind of reconnect and figure out how to share the good news with folks all around them in your mission field. We're going to be looking at these things over the next few weeks to help us out. We're going to talk about how to connect with others, ways to really serve and live like the Lord Jesus Christ, what it looks like to share with another. How do you, how do you talk to people? And then how do you disciple others? And how can you grow your own self? And then we're going to be talking about the mechanics of prayer. If you're Ethan Hunt, and you get the shades, and you get your mission, then you live that mission out with purpose until it's fulfilled. And these are the steps. But maybe you're out there this morning, and you're not part of the mission. You haven't been baptized into the Lord Jesus Christ the resurrecting power of the Holy Spirit is not a part of your life. This morning, we're going to sing, and we invite you to come forward and talk with us about that. We want to get you in. And if you're in the family, as we've been talking, maybe a, the Lord has brought to your mind a name or, or a loved one that you know needs the Lord Jesus Christ, and maybe you know that God is calling you to your mission field with that particular person, let us come, come forward and let us pray with you today. Whatever the need, now is the time. Let's get excited and let's live a life on mission. While we sing, take this opportunity. We fall down, we lay our crowns at the
Abigail, I'm going to ask you again who's going to be the Lord of your life from this day forward. Jesus Christ. All right. I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
Skinner to you. He wants to put put Christ at home and be his Lord of his life and uh, he wants to be baptized. So, uh, Stephen, who's going to be the Lord of your life from here on out? Jesus Christ. 
having shoulder surgery on Tuesday and asked for uh, prayers uh, for that. Uh, Steve Rohn uh, also had, he had knee surgery last week, but he's, his, also his mother passed away, uh, I think yesterday, so we need to remember the Rohn family. Also, John Godwin's father's in, in Glenwood and uh, struggling with some health issues there. Also, James Shipley, uh, uh, as we know, several deaths in his family uh, and also illnesses and so forth, just went through a rough, rough time. Uh, we all are going to deal with these as we get older and we do have family members we care for, but his has really been compacted in a short period of time. So remember James and, and his family. Um, also, um, ask prayers for a, a newborn, uh, Charlie Ray, is in ICU in Glen, Glenwood, we like our prayers. And also, uh, Adam Hampton uh, uh, struggles, has some struggles and uh, is falling away a little bit. So I just want to pray for the Hamptons and so forth. If you're visiting, we want you to know how honored we are to have you here. Uh, we've gone to two services just recently, but part of that decision was to do just what the mission is that we have. We, we were full. Parking lot was full. The auditorium was full. Caused some people to be hesitant about coming or even to find parking spaces. So we have space now. So bring somebody. Let's, uh, let's don't let that be a, 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 ham, uh, a hindrance to, to bringing people. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you, as your children here at White's Fair, we really want to please you, and we want to do our very best to, to please you and to reach out. As those that have come forward as a witness to, to everyone, that we live in a troubled world. Past sins uh, have long-term ramifications, and we, but yet we can come to you for that. For those that are having health issues, we know that we're terminal. We're not going to last forever, but we can come to you. For those that are changing and redirecting their lives and have come to you, we can come to you for strength. For those that are weak and struggling, they have a shoulder to lean upon. For those that are celebrating a great victory, we have a group that can celebrate with them. We just want to do the best we can, Father, and we know that as your ambassadors, as we leave here today, 
every word we utter, every thought we have, and every action we take is going to reflect on your kingdom. And we pray, Father, that we will have the wisdom and strength to be bold in our faith and that we will encourage those around us with the same hope that we have. And it all is through your son, Jesus. And it's him we pray. Amen.